welcome. My name is Eric. I'm the campus pastor here at Gateway in South Austin, and it's officially fall. There's uh, pumpkin spice donuts in the lobby. Do you guys like those donut walls? And I came in to, check, to, uh, to try one out, and there was one donut left. Like, and no one was here yet. I don't know how that happened. Uh, but I'm so glad you're here to enjoy that with us, the donut wall. Uh, I, we'll see if there's enough for the second service. That's the advantage of coming at 9.15. Sometimes there's things you get to experience no one else does. But this is a place uh, where we love everyone life by life. My family and I have been here for almost 12 years. And I can tell you as I... My wife and I raised our kids here. This is a place that's taken good care of them and taken good care of us. And if you're new, we're just so glad that you're here. We'd love to be that for you as well. Today we're starting a new series that I know you're not going to want to miss any of the weeks. It's just three weeks, but it's right where we spend most of our time. We're talking about working with all your heart And in these three weeks, we're going to hear from people who have incredible marketplace stories. They've worked as employees in jobs they hated, and they've all been CEOs. But most importantly, they've experienced God at work among them. Next week, we're going to hear from Phil Wright. It's an improbable story of a kid who, with God's help, survived an abusive home, rebellious teen years, and a series of backbreaking jobs to become the CEO of a global company. And Phil will tell an amazing story of how God can help us find courage in the face of our darkest fears and give us victory over the most daunting giants. Give you a little uh, sneak peek. It was during the Enron crisis, and he was CEO of a company that was facing the layoff of thousands of people, and he was able to avert that disaster. And then in two weeks, we'll hear from Lindsay Ronga. She was a CEO in a New York City company running Gary V's company, if you know Gary V. There's a Harvard Business School uh, case study written about her. She was on the top of the world on the outside, but she was actually dying on the inside. It's the story of God's work in us through the struggles that work might bring. Last week, if you missed it, we talked about finding your purpose. And our purpose is bigger than our job. Our, Our purpose is to bring light and life everywhere we go. To be the answer to Jesus' prayer that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, that we would bring heaven with us everywhere we go. And so today we're going to hear from Amon Quadri. Many of you will know Amon. He's leading our Gen Z parent support group right now. He's been a part of our campus since the beginning. He's also on the board of directors. Uh, He's a good friend of mine. You'll really enjoy hearing from Amon. Two years ago, he shared his story during Voices. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back. It's an incredible God story. Came to faith out of a Muslim background. He's grown in his faith here. He's a physical therapist who then started his own practice and then moved into being an entrepreneur. Actually uh, has started a bank now. He's in finance that's helping immigrant families and businesses. So I know you'll be inspired, but I want you to listen with an open heart to how God might want to work in you and through you where you work. That's actually God's desire. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3, whatever you do, You can put in there whatever job, if you're a stay-at-home parent, if you're retired, if you're a student, whatever. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters or bosses, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. See, God is with us always, and he actually wants to help guide us and lead us. 
so that's not just a daily grind. We're not just living for the weekend, but that we experience the goodness of God even where we spend most of our time. And as we begin to realize that God is with us and wants to guide us and do something in us and bring light through us, we experience the blessing of that reward. So listen with that kind of mindset as we hear from Amon. Hello, Gateway family. For those that don't know me, my name is Amon Quadri. I currently serve here at the Board of Directors uh, Gateway and have been involved with this church for about 23 years now. I wanted to welcome all those that are streaming in from Central, Buda, my home campus of South, Woo! Pflugerville, Dripping Springs, online, wherever you are, welcome. Uh, the last time I was here was in the Voices series in 2020, and during that time there was nobody in the audience, so it's nice to have audience participation, so I'm asked some questions along the way, so join in as you feel led. Today, I'm starting a new series called Working With All Your Heart, and today I'm touching the subject of God in the workplace. Have you ever had difficulties bringing up your walk with Jesus or your relationship with God to a friend, colleague, or a coworker? Have you ever thought about like, hey, maybe I should pray for that person who's struggling at my workplace, but you never actually talk to them about it, or actually even mention that you are praying for them? Or have you ever thought, maybe God shouldn't be in the workplace, right? When did work-life balance actually mean work-life separation? I mean, we live in a culture today where everything needs to be compartmentalized. We're being pushed more and more to keep Jesus behind closed doors. It's almost like we're supposed to clock in and clock out of who we are as a person, especially when we walk in through the front doors of our office or when we open up our laptop to start our first Zoom meeting. You ever feel that way? I mean, over the last few years, we've also had a list of topics that we can't discuss within the workplace. And so I compiled a list, and I'm going to go over it with you and see if any of these resonate. Number one, politics. We know that. In this town especially, you don't really tell people what you believe or who you believe in, or else you get shunned into a box. Number two, religion. Well, that's why we're here today. We're about talking about God in the workplace. Number three, personal life. You ever heard the saying, don't bring your work home with you when, you, when you're done at the end of the day? Well, now they're telling you don't bring your life with you to work at the beginning of it. So where does it end, right? Number four, frustrations at work. More and more people are less apt to tell a colleague or a coworker something's going wrong in the office place because of one, fear of reprisal, and two, they don't have a good enough foundation to be able to talk about these things. Number five, kids. Well, some of you are like, well, I don't want to talk about my kids when I get home from work, much less talk to somebody at work about theirs. Number six, Waco. Is there anything good there? Right? I know there are a lot of people out there that are saying, hey, the people that fix up houses, or now John Burke also is like a, a big promoter of Waco because he found surfing, but it took him 25 years to find something positive. So let's not jump on the bandwagon of the travel advisory board just yet. And number seven, UT moving to the SEC. This could get you in hot water at work, so be careful where you tread. Now, if you thought losing was bad in the Big 12 to Texas Tech a few weeks ago, imagine losing to Alabama and Georgia on a regular basis. Now, by no means am I an expert on this topic, but what I try to do is invoke God's wisdom and have God partner with me throughout the workday. So I show God's character through me. But let me tell you this, I fail at this regularly. Now we can't separate who we are at home versus who we are at work. Why are we willing to ask Jesus to be our carpool buddy and share things along the way, but as soon as we get to the office, we ask him to wait in the lobby till the end of the workday? You see, work-life balance actually creates the mindset of leaving things at home, and that can include our faith. 
You see, early as a Christ follower, I want to understand how to bring God's character through me. I spent time with people that I considered mentors and, and couples who, who were strong in faith. And there was one particular couple, there were an older couple that I would have dinner with regularly. And the husband worked a grueling job in railroad construction and would tell me all these crazy stories about the people he worked with and how he tried to bring God to them. But every time I'd see him for dinner, he had a smile on his face. And I'd say, how do you stay so upbeat when you're trying to share God's message every day with people who don't want to listen? And he said this, it's simple. Every day, there's an opportunity for God to grow his kingdom through me. Every encounter is to create the ability for them or me to grow. I used to think that I needed to show everyone how big my God is to them. But instead, God shows how big he's through me. And he pointed me to Genesis about realizing that our work was not going to be easy. And he mentioned the foundation for our growth in God's kingdom and that our responsibilities are greater than Sunday mornings as we try to plow the field and create a foundation for all those around us. And I have been guilty of too many learned moments on Sunday mornings, which I didn't carry over 24 hours later. Think about that. How many times have you been inspired by a message here from anybody that's on stage? And think to yourself that tomorrow, I'm going to take this message and do something different to those around me. But instead, you cast it aside as soon as your first work task came forward. You see, whatever role you have at work, we must understand that our work lives are never meant to be easy. Work is part of our lives, and some of us spend more time at the office than we do at home with our families. See, our work-life balance should consist of the right KPIs, and those of you in business know that that means key performance indicators. What is your key performance indicator for bringing God to work with you? And let me ask you this. How often are you bearing fruit in your workplace? Since I mentioned Genesis earlier, let's get back into it, but I'm going to paraphrase the first part of it. If you ever read the Bible version, the message, think of it as a, the message, Amon version, right? So here's how I think it goes, right? So Adam's in the Garden of Eden with God. And so God's like showing them around. It's like, hey, Adam, let me walk you through the Garden of Eden handbook. Pretty straightforward. Here's rule number one. Here's the garden. All right? It's nice. It's luscious. Tend it. Love it. Take care of it. And don't worry about clothes. Number two, all right, that tree, don't eat from it. If you do, you'll die. Just trust me on this. And number three, I've been creating a lot of creatures. So I'm going to need your help naming them. I start with the first two, aardvark and boa constrictor. The rest are on you. All right? But then he also realizes that Adam shouldn't be alone. And so Adam takes a nap. God does a little rib work. Woman is made flesh, right? Now woman encounters the serpent or the snake. In this encounter, the snake says, hey, look, God's not telling you the truth. You can go ahead and eat from, you know, eat from that tree and eat that fruit, and you're not going to die. In fact, you'll gain all the knowledge that God has. And so she eats from it and then passes over Adam, and he does. And that's when everything changes. You see, besides their work from garden privileges being revoked, sin enters the world. And then the knowledge of good and evil passes to them. Right? And on top of that, what happens is a new division of labor is introduced to both of them. And so let's read in Genesis 3, 16 through 19. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife, and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. And, and since from it you were taken, for dust you are, 
and to dust you will return. Now that is a tough performance review. But can I just say this? That even in the midst of all this, God is still merciful because if he knew that if he gave childbirth to man, either we'd be extinct or on the endangered list because we cannot handle both the childbirth and what goes along with it. You see, our lives, our, especially our work lives, were meant to be a test of grit. We were now metaphorically given land that we had to understand how to produce fruit from and to toil and struggle with it. But the same principles are true of us in the workplace today. For us to succeed, we must think like farmers. Have you been there? Do you have trouble understanding the demands of your employees or maybe your employers? You get frustrated that you don't know what a TPS report is or where somebody put that red swing line stapler? What does your boss really want from you? Why can't your coworkers give the same effort you're given? Why do you feel like you're taking on all the responsibilities of the entire team? Why didn't you get the promotion over him or her because you deserved it better? Maybe we're not asking the right question. Maybe the question is, what have I done to create the right foundation for my growth and the growth of those around me? See, I've worked in a wide variety of roles. I've aided in the advancement of colleagues, but also didn't make time for those that I knew were struggling at home or in life. I have been generous, but also selfish in my time and my walk, which is not what God wants for me, nor does he want it for you. Early in my work years, I was focused on job-related activities and focused my energy not on cultivating but on consuming. And you think, what changed for me? And it was a simple comment from a coworker, and that was, you're a different person outside of work than you are in the office. Now think about that. Have you ever heard that? Has anybody ever said that to you? You're different here than you are there. Have you ever thought about that about somebody else? See, most of my life I've struggled with religion and faith. You know, I converted from Islam to Christianity and worked hard to change who I was as a person within the world, but none of that showed up at work. You see, none of the goodness that Jesus brought into my life was apparent through my actions or words. See, I did not create the right foundation or the right environment for my colleagues to see the Spirit of God through me. If God and His character are not visible throughout our daily lives, that includes work, then your impact is minimized. You can't leave God at the reception desk only to pick him up at the end of the day. You have to let God work through you and within you at all times. And if we're going to get back to show how God's character uh, should work through us and around us, we need to start thinking like farmers and not consumers. I'm going to walk you through five ways I remember to keep myself grounded, no pun intended there, and hope that you can apply them in your daily lives. I'm going to use an abbreviation of SNAKE. So, which is a reminder of our stumble, but also the irony is snakes can be beneficial as well. First one is sprout, don't shout at the plants. James 1.19 states, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I honestly never seen people shout at crops, but I do know people who speak to houseplants. So there was a study done called the sound perception of plants that stated that certain frequency ranges actually can help promote the growth of plants, and that is usually within the conversational language frequency. Now, things outside of it can actually inhibit the growth of plants. So if somebody you know, makes fun of you saying, why are you talking to your house plants? You can just look at them and just yell, science, and just be done with it. But getting back to this, have you ever shown frustration, anger, passive aggressiveness to those around you? Do you involve yourself with office politics or gossip? 
See, these types of actions inhibit growth of your colleagues, but for you as well. Instead, we should be promoting the ability to sprout. And what that means is you help you know, those around you to grow within their workplace, within their job titles, within the, thing, the tasks that they're asked to do. Right? Sometimes that may mean you need to become a mentor. Or if you're new to the workplace, you need to ask for mentorship. See, I have seen more people grow when they're the recipients of being served in an organization, especially when it's unasked or unexpected. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 states, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Number two, nurture. Don't neglect your crops. Right? Farmers don't plant and just walk away and just say, hey, I'll see you at harvest time. It requires constant supervision to keep growth on track. Farmers nurture the ground, and we must do the same at work. Yeah, we have plenty of job responsibilities and checklists and things that we have to do throughout the day. But if you ignore the people around you, those crops begin to fail. Don't neglect the relationships that God has brought into your lives. Matthew 22 states, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, neighbors includes your coworkers, your boss, your employees, everyone in your workplace. Do you take time to have lunch with them? Or do you take lunch at your desk? Do you learn the names of family members, of your coworkers, their spouses? Do you meet with people outside of work? Now, this may be a little tougher because of remote workplaces, but I know people who do virtual coffee meetups and virtual lunches to get to know people. You see, a recent study was done by JobSage in July of this year that showed some interesting stats, mostly dedicated to remote workers, but it also applies in the, in the office space as well, too. One in five Americans state they have no friends at work. Listen to that, one in five. 84% of Americans say, working remotely, they have a harder time making friends. 95% of Americans state that having friends makes them happier. 76% says it makes them more creative. And 74% says it makes them more productive. Nurturing those around you by connection and action can make a lasting impact in and out of work. So I ask you, how often are you diving into the lives of your colleagues? Number three, admonish, don't accuse. Now, it's easy to blame others for incomplete tasks, assignments that go awry, people on your team that are not pulling their weight, or letting someone else struggle so that it increases your chance for promotion. But farmers don't make acquisitions to the land. Sometimes they're tough with it, right? Sometimes they may create holes in the ground called aeration to, to allow nutrients and water and air to get down deeper to create a better foundation for growth. Most of us in our workplaces know when team members are struggling, when they're not meeting expectations, or if they have the ability to do it, we let them go. And, and we struggle with the ability to be able to take them and take them to a higher place in the workplace. So we have a responsibility to sometimes give them tough love. Sometimes we have to push our colleagues to be the masterpiece they were meant to be. Second Timothy 3.15 states, yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him like a brother. When we use the word admonishment in today's day and age, we think of like reprimand or rebuking somebody, but it's the opposite here. In, the, in Scripture, what it's talking about is how do we instruct or advise somebody rather than rebuke them? Love of our colleagues may include calling them out, pushing them to be their best, and giving our time to see them succeed. So I ask you, are you willing to help your colleagues experience growth? Now, 
Number four is calm versus chaos. Now I get the spelling, right? But do you ever feel like every day at work is a new opportunity for chaos to develop? Now I've worked in workplaces where we had proper processes and procedures and things go smoothly and other places where it almost feels like you're trying to fly the ship as you're building it. And what happens is, is that when we let chaos enter into our daily work lives, it totally throws us off, not only within ourselves, but with, with our colleagues as well. You ever received an assignment that is due today whenever you have a lot of other tasks left to do? Have you ever let the frustration of new tasks get in the way with your relationship with your colleagues and coworkers? Have you ever felt like you're given more tasks than others on your team? Or do you ever let that friction between getting more assignments stop you from having a relationship with others? You see, we need to resort to creating calm within our daily work storms. So here's a simple checklist I use on a daily basis to help me to reduce the anxiety and stress. Number one, you invite God in, right? Simple thing, I start every morning by saying, hey God, this is your day. So whatever happens, I need you to lead the way. Number two, what do I expect? Everybody has expectations of their workday. Sometimes we create mental checklists or physical checklists and we think we need to you know, take care of these 10 items in my day's success. But number three is what made an impact for me. I leave room for the unexpected. Unexpected things happen all the time. But are you gonna let that derail you? Or are you gonna let that an become an opportunity for growth? And number four, the ending prayer of gratitude. Being able to say, God, thank you for being on this journey with me, and we'll just see what tomorrow holds. See, consistently working through this checklist allowed me to reduce my own internal chaos and focus on God and peacefulness in the, day, in the workday. So will you let God lead through your workday? In number five, envisioning what can happen when you partner with God. In 1994, a couple, the Salgados, returned home to their, their, their ancestral lands in Brazil. And Mr. Salgado was an award-winning photojournalist, so he was gone for a long period of time, filming in Africa, you know, in, in Southeast Asia. But when he came back, he and his wife found that their land was decimated. Their home existed within the middle of a rainforest, but every tree, shrub, animal was gone. Deforestation had devastated their lands, and they didn't know what to do. And his wife had an idea of what if we took this barren land filled with thorns and thistles and replanted it, every single one? And what could happen if we did that? And so over the next four years, they brought in experts and volunteers and tried to figure out a pathway. They started their own institute. And in 1999, they decided to plant the first seeds in the ground. They nurtured them and they brought in people and they nurtured the people as well too to figure out how they could make this grow. And in 20 years, the growth of that land was immeasurable. Their success was beyond what they expected or envisioned. Let me share some stats. Over 290 species of trees were planted. The eight natural springs that had disappeared from that forest came back, and even in times of drought, they flow. 172 bird species returned, of which six were already in danger of becoming extinct in the world. 33 species of mammals returned, of which two were vulnerable and about to be extinct. 293 species of plants returned, 15 species of reptiles, and 15 species of amphibians. What the Salgados did was bring life back to a barren land. But what if you followed their example? Many of us go to work in a barren landscape devoid of God's presence, his love, and his character. What if you provided support to a colleague that's unexpected? What if you give up lunch at your desk 
or at home and meet with somebody and learn their story? What if you help a coworker with an assignment that could lead to their promotion over yours? If you're at a Gateway campus or watching online and made a commitment to reach out to one coworker, what could we envision for God's kingdom? Imagine the possibilities of the lives that could be changed. But to do that, the first step should be forming a closer relationship with Jesus. Our responses should be reflex, not reactions. And the more you allow your, yourself to experience His nature, the more it will show to those around you. In partnership with Jesus through you, your workplace, which could be dry and barren now, will flower and bloom. The ways to do that are simple. Spend quiet time with God. Read the scriptures. Pray for those around you. Serve others with others. Find a small group. All these things are available here at Gateway. As you serve others, you will find serving and growing those at work becomes just a natural extension. You see, we spend an inordinate amount of time creating forecasts and reports and budgets throughout our work week. God deserves to be budgeted in daily into our work lives. But more importantly, let's start thinking about how we take Sunday morning messages and those learnings, but don't let them be lost when our first email message comes in our inbox. Testing. There we are. Thank you. One of the things that Amon said that really stuck out is, um, am I reacting or am I reflectively responding? And I think over the years, those three times I know of that I made someone cry, uh, it was completely reacting. I was triggered I, and I hurt them. And instead of being the light that God has called me to be, I was doing damage in the workplace. And certainly, as someone who follows Jesus, I wasn't lifting up who he is where I was working either. I don't think I've made anyone cry in Austin. Uh, it's possible I have. But I can tell you that the work that God has been doing in me through this community, through Restore, uh, which we just restarted, and there's still open spots uh, Monday nights, has really done uh, uh, wonders in me. I'm not as reactive. Uh, when you get triggered, I know now what happens in me and what I need to do to avoid responding in that way. How about you? How are you showing up where you work? Could you imagine that you go back to work tomorrow and you're fully aware that God is with you. Have you ever invited him into your workday? I've tried to uh, not get bogged down with all the, the details, all the things that need to be done. Try to start the day connecting with God and then move into an actual experience where if you know the 60-60 experiment throughout the day, uh, your app can go off every hour on the hour to remind you to pray, to just reconnect with God. Because we might say we believe in God, 
But can others tell by the way we live at work? It's almost like we're atheists in the way that we live. We check in with God on Sundays, maybe occasionally on a devotional too during the week. But what if we could become more aware of his presence that's with us all the time? See, I don't think God is impressed with our accomplishments or our awards, but he cares about the way that we treat the people around us. It's not just what we do, but how we do it. That's how we can work for God. See, I love our city. I love Austin. But Austin is a very lonely place. Lots of people move here. And it's easy in a city of over a million people to just assume that everyone around you has someone taking care of them. When in reality, many of us are very lonely. And our only connections are actually at work for most people. What if we were to be the ones that were to ask that coworker out to lunch, to hear their story over coffee? What if we were the ones that made sure that no one was being overlooked? I've shared with you this before, but when we moved, first moved to Los Angeles years ago, I grew up in Dallas, Fort Worth, but moved to Seattle after college, and then we were in Los Angeles. And I was reading a book about Los Angeles, and it says you can live in the same house for 10 years and never know your neighbors. What was fascinating is that book was written in 1930. See, our cities have a history of loneliness. You can be in a crowd of people and be all alone. What if we were to become those where people at work know they could come to us when they have a question, when they have a need, when they have a prayer request? What if we were to be the ones that created that kind of community? And if you don't have that, we can help with that. That's part of the beauty of being part of a, a church that's so diverse in terms of ages and backgrounds and ethnicities is that we can be that community for you. And so today as we consider, are we being the calm in the midst of the chaos? The band is going to come up and lead us in a song. And what I want you to do is maybe a little bit different. I just want, as they're getting ready, just to sit in some silence for a moment. I want you just to consider what it is that God might want to do in your heart and through your life where you work. So just for a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer and then the band's going to lead us in a song. But I just want to create a moment of silence for you just right now. Just ask God to speak to your heart, to show you the next step he has for you. Heavenly Father, it's very rare that we are able to avoid distractions. Thank you for this time in community where we can do that. Where we can put our phones away, we can avoid the texts and the emails and the news, and we can just think about more important things like our spiritual health. Lord Jesus, you summarize the entire message of the scriptures as loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourself. God, would you help us to grow to do both of those things more and more, all of those things, 
to love you, to love our neighbor, and to even appreciate and love ourselves, who you created us to be. So God, would you speak to us even during this song? Would you help us to envision what it'd be like to take you to work with us each day? Give us a vision for our workplace of what you want to do in us and through us. That we might be those that bring life in the midst of the desert, the wasteland, the desolation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.